Hello, you're listening to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. If some of our discussions and tips are working for you, why don't you grab a 15-minute call with us at ecommercecall.com. We'll see whether we can help scale your e-commerce business. We will quickly see if we're a fit or whether we can recommend someone else to get you where you need to go. The worst case is you'll have a fun 15-minute chat and regardless, you'll come away understanding a lot more about your business. Book a call at ecommercecall.com. Hello and welcome to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. This week, Ian and I are talking about lifetime customer value for an e-commerce site and how important it is to get this right. So let's get started. Hello, Ian. How are you? Good afternoon, Mark. I'm okay. I'm all right. Yeah, good. How are you doing? Just so you haven't can't see hear the cicadas, um, it's uh, are you still having quite strong winds in the UK? Or is it kind of yeah? We're in gales, storms. We've had three three storms in in back to back. I was watching the Liverpool. No, I was watching the Man United against Leeds match, and it looked absolutely horrendous. It was just absolutely bucketing <laughs> down. I, I had to turn it off in the end because I was just like, it's I couldn't see them suffer so much in that weather. It's yeah. like the poor bastards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been yeah. pretty bad. Yeah. It's been pretty yeah. bad. Well, it's going to get better it's from now on. This is the worst it point. Is. Now it's yeah. coming it to is. March next month. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then you go into the new time change. Um, so it must be getting into spring. Oh, it is. It's coming into spring now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so today we're going to talk about uh, lifetime customer value of, of an e-commerce site. Super important metric. Um we often, you know, distill e-commerce down to two things, you know, how much you can acquire a customer for and how much um, lifetime value you can get out of the customer. And between those two things is whether or not you've got a business or not. And so um, a discussion on lifetime value is super, super important. And, and um, you know, we've done, we've done uh, podcasts on lifetime value before. We've got training on lifetime customer value um, in the groups. Um, so I wanted this more to be a discussion on, you know, our thoughts on it, especially kind of how it's changed since we did the last podcast, probably about, you know, maybe 12 months ago, um, and dive into that. I've got a couple of presentations open, so just to kind of jog my memory of it. But, um, I mean, is there anything you wanted mm. to say before I got started, Ian, on, on that? Well, yeah, I, th- I, think, I think, you know, Lifetime Customer Value to me is is one of the, fundamental parts of the business and you know of an e-commerce company because because if if you haven't got just to put it in perspective if you haven't got a lifetime customer value so you haven't got a reasonable lifetime customer value you know you're going to have to acquire new customers every single time if you want to grow so if you want to get to 10 20 30 million and you your customers only ever buy once then you're going to have to acquire new customers every single time and that will primarily become very expensive because yeah. you're you're probably relying upon paid channels you know and and okay you might have a bit of natural seo and a bit of naturalness but but ultimately we find that if you get if you want to get to the big numbers you, you've got to throw advertising budget at it so if you're only ever getting your customers to buy once it's it's like growing with your hands tied behind your back and it all becomes it's it's like how much you can get out of that that initial sale because mm. 
you know, if you're selling something for a hundred pounds and your margins, you know, 40% and your conversion rate X, you know, it's like you can only afford to spend so much on your advertising and that then becomes your glass ceiling. Like, you know, you, you think, well, okay, I need at least seven times ROAS and yeah. therefore, well, you know, you're pushing your site as hard as you can. You've got conversion rate decent. You've got the site is amazing. Your average order value's got lots of cool, you know, upsell thingies in it. You know, you're really on it with your traffic channels. You're going to hit a glass ceiling. Like you literally, you'll be at a point where you just cannot pull the traffic leader lever harder because it just becomes unprofitable. So the only thing you can do in in that situation if you can't pull your traffic lever harder and you've done all the optimizations you could possibly do, the only thing you can do to grow, to continue growing and scaling your e-commerce business is to get your lifetime customer value up. So yeah. you know, if they buy twice, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you've, 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 you can go to a much more, well, much, much lower ROAS. Yeah. And I think you've, you know, a lot of businesses yeah. start out, as a small business, so, so example, there was a story about it. when I first moved to New Zealand, there was a there was a guy here selling sheds, and he was selling sheds. He was doing about three million, and that's all his business really was. Um, and effectively, you know, he said to me, Mark, well, what can I sell? What can I sell afterwards? And you know, it's like a, 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 a shelf for the shed and all that kind of stuff. And you know, it took us a while to kind of work through it. And you know, I'm not not saying it was me, but he came up with the he came up with the, the, the realized that he was in the business of storage, garden storage. That was where he was, you know, and he was selling sheds and his garden storage. And then he realized that he could sell to his list, um, you know, other garden storage boxes and different things like that. And that was really the difference between um, a small business and a big business. Now that business now is, uh, has got one of the biggest warehouses right next to Auckland airport I mean, they're huge, absolutely huge. And, but I would say that that transition from selling a shed to being able to sell something again to the customers was really the transformation movement into the business that they've become today. Because if they had just that, you know, kept selling those sheds, they would probably still be doing 3 million today. And that yeah. might, be, might be fine, you know, for a lifestyle business. However, probably what would have happened over time is that people who were selling sheds and other things would have been able to go and cannibalize his sales because they, you know, they didn't need to make as much margin on the first sale. Well, now, so what, so, so what happened for, for him, the shed guy? Cause you talk about the shed guy quite a lot and it's a good example. Cause you kind of go, well, you know, he thought he didn't have any value in his current customer database. Yeah, but it, but obviously he did, and 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 the, what it allowed him to do was to pull his traffic lever harder because he knew that he had lifetime customer value in the pot. He knew they were going to come along in three months' time and buy the store garden storage box. So it mm. meant that he could take his ROAS lower than his competitors because all the competitors were doing is just selling the same the one shed. They hadn't yeah. figured out how to get the second sale. Whereas he'd figured out how to get the second sale, which meant he could go to a three times ROAS and everyone else was stuck at a five times ROAS. And they look at his business in, in, and they go, how is he bidding so much on Google Shopping? How, you know, it's not, 
it shouldn't be profitable. They don't. They haven't figured it out that, mm. that he's got this this add-on business. You know, and I always say, you know, you've got two two separate businesses in your recruitment business. You've got your recruitment side of the business, and you've got your retention side of the business. And it's yeah. it's it's like adding a turbocharger to your e-commerce business if you can get your lifetime customer value up because the fastest, most effective, most efficient, cheapest way you can scale your e-commerce business is to get your current customers to buy again mm. because you haven't paid for the, the customer acquisition on the second time. You know, it's basically free. You haven't had to pay Google. You haven't had to pay any advertising costs because yeah. they've come through normally through email. You know, I mean, that's the that's the primary channel, isn't it, for for existing mm. customers? Let's so take it's the... like it's like bolting a, you know, a, you know, bloody, well, turbocharger to it, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's just making the business go further. The, the flip side of it is what I have seen. Like there was, I was talking to a company um, who sell sells um, like signs, kind of like very nice uh, signs for cafes and things like that in the states and they they do a lot of um you know if you're going to do a new cafe you go onto pinterest you see all those kind of nice look you go i want it to look like that and you might get like a a board and a a, a menu board and a and a, a sign and all that kind of stuff and their average order value might be i don't know five thousand dollars or you know quite a lot of money now a lot of those times their lifetime value is low because people have done the coffee shop up and that's it. Now they don't really tend to do it again. Um, and they're doing, I think they were doing about 20 million. So sometimes in business to business, that can be the way it works. You can kind of like, it's this big sale and then nothing, you know, like if you were like uh, um, doing something out, but I'd say even in that business, there's probably more money in the list. Um, and to be sustainable, that's where you really want to go. Otherwise, you're always going to have to come up with those new products on the front end. And I think, you know, we, we, that reminds me of the of client that's, um, I mean, he sells about $10 million worth of art stuff in the UK and America. And he said that. He said, I just always feel like I've got to come up with a new product to get any sales. And so, we, you know, we work with him to design a, a range that, that he could sell to customers over and over again. Yeah. So it's a it's about business design really and yeah. you know we do bang on about the numbers and the numbers are important but the business design that are going to make those numbers work is super important as well yeah um, i think i think I, that's a really good point to emphasize because because the, the biggest effect on lifetime lifetime customer value um and i will come on to some of the techniques that we'll use to get lifetime customer value up but the biggest effect is is actually the product you sell you know yeah. if you're selling contact lenses you know for example and you you had let's say you had no incentives to get the second sale or to get the lifetime customer value up you'd naturally have really good lifetime customer value you know because it because it's just the nature of of what you're selling um so some sometimes you have to look deep in the business architecture and say okay well we're selling that get that example of sheds you know, we're selling sheds here. What what can we go and source to sell to this our current customers? And he had to go and find those, didn't he? He wasn't selling them. So so it, you know, it can it can be that. I mean, the, you know, we were interviewing um, Oliver from the White Company when he took the White Company from like five to fifty million, and he was saying, 
you know, we were happy to recruit a new customer at a 20 pound loss because we knew that we had decent lifetime customer value and they would buy other stuff in the next two, three, four years. Mm. And, and, and we would be breaking even at the second sale and we'd be in profit at that point onwards. And we had that customer for life. And, you know, they didn't worry too much about, um, about, you know, having a, you know, acquiring customer for 20 pounds loss because they just thought, well, if we keep on bringing new products into the white company, you know, we know we'll get, we'll get loyalty and we'll get, we'll get the, we'll get the lifetime customer value. And, and it was quite, you know, it was quite a simple kind of broad strategy, but then, I mean, I don't know what the white company are doing now, but they've, you know, they've nailed it, but it was for them, it was, it was really understanding that they could confidently go and buy new customers Mm. At big numbers, big scale, knowing that it would all work out <laughs> because yeah. they, you know, they 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 had they had a good loyal customer base. I think it's two things: it's choosing the game you're playing. Like so many people in e-commerce, choose a game that's difficult, and that they might be brilliant at executing, but the game they're playing and the business model yeah. they put in place, it's really hard. It's yeah. like if they were in that sheds and they were just selling sheds, and the other guys selling all sorts of storage stuff. They're playing a game and they've chosen to well, you play know a game. What? It's really I, difficult. I, I had a call yesterday with a client and they phoned me up and they said, we are, um, who was it? What were they, yeah, we've got, it, we've got a, an average order value of about £100 and our margin is about 30%. Our lifetime customer value is, we have no idea, but we think, we think it's once. Um, we don't really know. And, um, and I said, I said, right, well, I said, I think that, you know, the, the thing that's jumping out of me here is, you, you, is what you've just said. You've got a margin of 30%, which is pretty low, an average order value of a hundred pounds, which is okay, but your lifetime customer value is, is one. And so you, you're going to hit a glass ceiling, like, because you're not going to be able to buy traffic profitably. You're going to stop at, let's say it was 4 million. It's going to stop. So, you know, and so, and I said, well, you know, the best type of e-commerce business that you could have would be an average order value that would be over 80 pounds, a margin that would be about 60% plus and a lifetime customer value of two to three times a year. Like that, though, that, that you could do really well with, mm. you know, cause it, the numbers work, the metrics work. Whereas if you had a, have you had an average order value that was, 30 pounds, a lifetime customer value of, of one, they only, they didn't come back and buy. And, you know, and a margin of like under 30%, you, you're really up against it. Unless you've got a real kick-ass uh, customer acquisition strategy that's practically free, mm. you know, but otherwise you're, you, it's difficult. You know, it is difficult, isn't it? I mean, like gifting. You know, the gifting is one of the challenges for gifting is that unless you're bringing out new products all the time, you know, and you're really innovative and you're, and you're riding the waves and the trends of, that, are, that are happening. The problem with gifting is it tends to be low average order value and low lifting customer value because mm. you've got a customer database that isn't the customer. It's the person you're buying the gifts for. But there's lots of successful gifting companies on e you know, who are doing really well in e-commerce. But they've got to fundamentally recognize that 
average order value is probably sub thirty pounds. Lifetime customer value is, you know, is a is really, you know, low. Mm. So you you know they're not going to buy the same gift that they bought last year. No, you know, not just, the same. And also, so, if one of the gifts gets too popular, nobody wants it because they go, "Well, I can't." Yeah. Everybody's had that gift. I can't buy it again. That was the, that was that yeah. guy, the guy who's had that book, that book printed. Yeah. It became so yeah. big that everybody's like, "Well, we've done that now." I can't, I, I, and it's it, yeah. it's all about buying that unique gift, and it, it they, they had it, their day. Yeah. They did, and the only thing we said to them ultimately was was that you've got to get the lifetime customer value up, and and that means being bringing out a much bigger range of gifts mm. that keeps it fresh. So the customer database goes, oh, wow, look at that. That's cool. Yeah, I'm going to buy one of those for such and such. Yeah, so let's, as that. let's talk a little bit about how we can get the lifetime customer value up. And, and obviously, yeah. this, is a, this is a big area, and it's part of, of, of what we do. And if you do need help, help with this, you know, reach out to us and talk to us about it in a bit more detail. But mm. we're going to go through some basic stuff. On, well, can, on I just say one, can I just say two things before we do that? Sorry Not to sure. say. Because, yeah, I just because, well, you, what you're about to say is really good. But, but I say, you don't know. Of, well, I know, I know what it is. I know exactly what you're going to say. <laughs> Starfish. I know exactly what you're going to say. But you yeah, didn't realize it's exactly. going to say starfish. No, I mean, so in terms of lifetime customer value, it is like one of the most important metrics of the e-commerce business to scale it. So, but it's it's knowing when to look at it and how to look at it and what it means. And so, on a broad brush level, you want to know what's the the amount of purchases that your customers customers are making in a twelve month period. So, of the customers you recruited this month last year how many of them have gone and bought again what's the value of them yeah. so the, you know the first purchase was 100 pounds and they bought twice um in the it, you know including the first sale then it would be they'd be worth 200 pounds to you so do you want to monitor that on a monthly basis so you've got an overall understanding of what your life customer life and customer value is and then you feed that back into your ROAS you go okay mm. You know, because obviously life to go. And then the second thing I'll just say about lifetime customer value is see if there are patterns and trends of really good lifetime customer value based on first product bought. And and so if if you find that there's a bunch of product that if people buy that on their first purchase, they become more loyal. That's really useful to know. So if they buy, you know, a red jumper versus a blue jumper, people who buy the blue jumper buy five times a year. People who buy the red jumper only buy once. Obviously, you know, you, you want to spend more money recruiting the blue jumper. You want to spend more money pay, you know, advertising the blue jumper. And that's a bad example. But it, and th- th- that's really, really interesting. So if you're only getting one hit wonders, you obviously you want to spend more money. And also by category customers. as well. You might have well, also by category. That, yeah. But also by customer too. Yeah. So find out that you know there's there's normally pockets of customers that 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 are much more loyal, and you might find that they are, you know, tradesmen or you know in the in in the sort of tradey type world. You know, if they're in, maybe they're interior designers that are doing up houses all the time. You know, or maybe they're just DIY mechanics, or maybe they're looking after you know whatever it is. In pocket to find out who they are. Mm. Yeah, so well, that leads me. Trends. That leads me into the next thing, which is uh, the first thing I would always do is I I try and work out, you know, with a Pareto analysis, 
Now, what percentage of customers drive 80% of the revenue? So if you've got a thousand customers, add, uh, you know, add them up and put them in, in, put the customers from the top with the biggest customer at the top in terms of value all the way down to the bottom and then work out what percentage of customers drive 80% of the revenue. So often you might find that 20% of the customers drive 80% of the revenue or 30% of the customers drive 80% of the revenue. So that gives you a really big split on the revenue. So if you, let's say it's 20% of the revenue drives 80% of the, the revenue. So that 20%, if you increase that 20%, um, if, you, if you double the revenue of that 20%, you actually add an overall another 80% to your revenue. So if you think about it, that's, that's huge. You know, just so 20% you're saying of if people. You double, yeah, if you double those 20% of customers, yeah. you know, rather than doubling the 80% of customers that are only giving you 20% of the revenue, you double the 20% of the customers that are giving you 80% of the revenue, you have a dramatic change yeah. of revenue, don't you? Yeah, so if you if twenty percent of the revenue of people are driving eighty percent, and you double those, those just those twenty percent, you're going to get an extra eighty percent. But if the if you double the eighty percent of the customers who are driving twenty percent of the revenue, you only get an extra twenty percent. So it's a huge thing to kind of wrap your head around. In that, if you work on those top twenty percent you're really going to drive a lot more revenue from the business. So that's the first thing I'm looking at. I'm looking at that top 20% or the top 30% that drives 80% of the revenue. And then within those customers, I'm looking for characteristics that mark them out as part of that 20%. So one of those characteristics mm -hmm. might be, oh, they've bought three times, or they, they tend to buy a suit, or they tend to buy something uh, twice within the first six months or something that kind of gives us gives mm. them a character characteristic and the, 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 normally there are patterns you yeah know, normally you can see it and normally when you see it you go oh that's probably obvious that is yeah you know the example the, the quite the famous example that we used to use when we when we did this years ago for one particular customer it was like it was and it was somebody who was selling clothing and the larger clothes like it was selling men's clothes and the yeah. larger the size like the really big sizes um, people who bought those on their first purchase were much, much more loyal than than the normal sizes. Yeah. And yeah. I guess it's because you know they found a fit that they found they found a size that fit them well, and they liked it, and you know they felt comfortable. And so they go, well, I'm always going to buy my clothes from this this retailer yeah. now. So we, obviously that meant that we then launched a big advertising campaign to go specifically for the for the larger sizes. Yeah. Because so once you've got the loyal. once you've got the data, then you can it make then it's common sense to do what to do next. So if it's like larger sizes of clothing are the ones that have a light, higher lifetime, then you go and recruit more of those those types yeah. of customers. If you find that someone to be in your top twenty percent is someone who's bought three times, then you go and work. You go and look at everybody that's bought twice, and you try and get you, you do incentives yeah. to get them to buy three times because often you might well, find that there's a trigger in their mind once they've bought three times and you become, it's like going on a date. You go on two dates, you go on three dates and you go, well, you're more you know, loyal. You're more loyal. Well, you, you, yeah, you, in fact, I didn't, you, you were not, I, I was predicting what you were going to say and I was wrong because I thought what you were going to talk about was, was that it, it's really important to get the second sale because when you get the second sale, they become loyal and yeah. the, 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 the multi-buyers so in that example, 
you look at your customer house file and you go, right, these are the customers. All you know, we've got twenty percent of customers that have all bought more than once. And and there's you know, there's ten percent of customers that have all bought more than four times in the last twelve months. And whenever you email or contact all of the customers, the ones that respond better to any incentive to buy more are the ones that are already buying more from you. Mm. Like they always, the multi buyers always respond better. And, and I think it's, it is down to that sort of customer loyalty. And there's something, there's two, I think when, when we first figured this out, I think it was one of those like aha moments where it was like, holy crap, that is really interesting. And it was, it was, it, and it's really simple. It's dead straightforward. But but getting the second sale was really important in terms of loyalty. And to get the second sale, it tended to happen really early on, or not mm-hmm. at all. So when so if they bought something today, so if a new customer came on, we acquired a new customer today. If they're going to buy again, they tend tended to do so within the first six weeks. Or they just didn't come on, they didn't come back. And then when they did buy again within that first six weeks, they 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 continue to be to be loyal customers. Whereas the customer that only ever bought once just didn't ever seem to come back. Like if they, so so we then realized that getting the second sale early was really important to increase overall lifetime customer value. And I think it, it the second aha moment was when we realized that in lots of e-commerce business is the there's this buying window that opens up and we've talked about this loads and mm. i keep talking about it because it's so interesting and so useful but when it, it and the, okay the most classic example is that if if for home furnishings like home decor home interior decorations like a table i'm 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 in my living, in my lounge now, and I'm looking at a table lamp, and and I'm and I'm going to say, so if I bought that table lamp from an e-commerce store today, it basically says I'm putting my hand up and saying I am doing up my house, and right now in the next you know probably one month to two months, I'm I'm going to be hyperly uh, interested in in things that you're going you're going to talk to me about. I'm doing up my house, so I'm going to buy loads of stuff. So market to me, email me and communicate with me because I'm very likely to be buying other stuff because my buying window for doing up my house is now. Whereas in six months time, I'm I'm booking a skiing holiday, I'm buying a camper van, I'm buying a boat, I'm can't, I'm I've moved on. You've you've lost me, mm. and it, you know you have me. I was hyper hyper responsive. I was ready to buy. I'd already bought from you. I've been to your website and I trusted you. I went through all the pain of figuring out which company to buy it from and I'd, 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 I'd done it. And that, that buying window is really, really key. And I think you can apply that to loads of businesses, loads of e-commerce stores. When they, so when they first buy something, don't wait you know, to think, oh, I'm not going to email them because they've, they've just bought. I don't want to insult them. I, you know, they just bought that table lamp. They're, they're not, be ridiculous if I sent them an email trying to get them to buy, you know, the rug or the, you know, the, the cushions or whatever. You know, that that'd be ridiculous. No, it's t- it's totally the wrong way to think about it. 
you have yeah. to you have to you treat them you have to be really really overly communicating with them uh, because if they're going to buy in, again, yeah, if you're in that buying window, you if know, you're in that buying yeah. window, yeah, and then it, it, and then I'll stop talking now because I've talked a lot. But but I think now this is when we should talk about getting the second sale and how we do it. Yeah, if you want yeah. to, unless there's anything else you want to speak. About? No, no, I think that's 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 kind of what I was coming down to because a lot of the time, you know, it, I, I said in the email yesterday that, that the human brain. Uh, sees increasing the lifetime value as a complex problem, and it and therefore for complex problems, we try to have complex solutions. It's just the way we think. It's just the way we think. And one thing I always like to do is ask myself the question: If this was simple, what would the answer be? And that's just such a powerful question. And what we did with a lot of these sites that we've increased the lifetime cost and value. And I gave an example in the email of the. Of the 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 company we were working with, they were spending five thousand, no, fifteen thousand pounds a month on Google Ads for about four or five years. Then we did this second sale work, and um, that then allowed them to increase their Google spend to two hundred two hundred thousand a month. You know, it was that much of a game game changer. And so, by focusing it down to the second sale, we could see that everything else worked. Um, so the first thing we did was we looked at the data and we looked and say, well, on average, if someone's going to buy for the second time, how long does it take? You know, that was the first thing we looked at. And then we said, based on average order value of the first purchase, is there any difference in that? So if they buy, because you might have those tranches of people that buy something small or something big. And does it change much? Because what we're looking for is this, if there's kind of two clear different buying methods or whether it's all the same. Most of the time, it's fairly similar. So if someone buys something, on average, this is the time period they, they would buy again. Mm. Once we know that, let's say it's two months. Let's say on average, if you're going to buy again, it's two months. We would then put our incentives together um, based around that time period to incentivize them probably two weeks before that time and then tell them it's going to run out before that time. And now we do have some mechanisms for actually what we send in the past. Well, you'd, you'd, like you'd, be, you'd, you'd be communicating that with them quite early on, though. Yes. So let's, say, let's, say the, let's say the average second sale that did happen was you know, 80 days. You'd be yeah. you'd be emailing them early on, but it would be expiring in eighty days from yeah. the first purchase date. Yeah, that's what, what I would do. And what we we found what we found is we got specific techniques to um, make them feel like the that when they bought something, they had something of a monetary value that was of value that they were going to lose when uh, when it expired. And I, I won't go into the actually specifics of that because I think it will confuse people if don't. But basically, that was something that um, you know, if you go and look at like uh, the stuff we did with Naked Wines, people like that, you'll see that in effect. So if you look at their vouchers, you'll see that in effect on there. And mm. what we want to have is something that people feel like they're going to miss out, and we want to use some psychological triggers for that to actually get people to get the second sale much more and they feel like when they actually somebody's going to run out like um it's actually meaningful so a lot of people will send um you know like you've just bought an email a coupon over and they'll say oh, this is you know this is the coupon a lot of the time they won't have a a, a a time when that runs out 
Um, so that at the very least, you should be mm. having that. Uh, they won't have oh, any well, communication well, around people, it. Most people tend to do like a oh, I'll, as a, you know, here's ten percent off your next order. Yeah, and it's so lame because it, yeah. you know, a percentage off is a. It doesn't feel like you're getting anything. It's not it's good just enough. A percentage off it doesn't. It but doesn't the, but anything. a monetary amount is better for getting the second sale, like giving them twenty pounds off because you can make it feel look yeah. like twenty pounds. I mean, if, like the very least you them. could do that. The very least you can do that. Yeah. But often I find that's not enough. It's not enough just to kind of do the token yeah. kind of like coupon. It's going to run out that kind of stuff. So you've got to go further than that, and that's what you've got to have. You have to have that offer architecture, which is your second R your retention, your retention working. And we do design, we, you know, we obviously we design those differently for different people, but that's effectively what we're looking at. We're looking to give something, we want the fear of missing out to be triggered. We want them to be very aware of it. And we want them to, um, to be buying around the date when we would expect them to be buying. And so from that, we can increase the, um, we can increase the, the likelihood of the second sale. And often we can bring it forward. We can often bring yeah. the, the, the lifetime customer value. Well, that's I mean, right. Because if you average, because because if you look at it now and you look at the average time for the second sale, it's probably based on loads of people that aren't buying. Yeah. You know, so if you you should be able to bring it forward. Yeah. Um, and, I, think, and, I think the other really cool thing, I'll just say one other like little aha yeah. moment. I think you said this actually, which you know, I'll give you this one. Don't Thanks. like to big you up too much, but you said that. You know, if you think about it, if you're, if you, you know, you're trying to scale your business at 10 million, you know, a year. And, you know, if you have to do that by acquiring new customers, and obviously let's, let's, you know, at the end of the day, you, you can't get lifetime customer value if you haven't got any customers. So, you know, you have to recruit new customers in the first place. But, but if you have no lifetime customer value retention strategy, you're basically going to have to pay Google all the time to, to you know to to grow and mm. all you're doing is you're saying okay you know we're going to give some some money that we would have given to google we're going to give that to our customers you know to incentivize the current customers we're going to you know because obviously we would have had to have paid google to get another sale so you know what we'll give some of that like half of it to to the customers and yeah. so who uh, you want to pay reward... do you want to give google yeah, you the pay? money or do you want to give it to your customers yeah exactly you know? exactly yeah. I think that's you, like, oh, who are you God, investing so... in who are you investing yeah. in let's invest in our customers that makes sense yeah. so yeah. much it makes so much sense exactly oh, one thing one thing i wanted to say about getting a second sale was that when you're trying to increase the lifetime customer value it's like removing all the noise from from all of the data points and just focusing on getting the second sale means that you can very easily test stuff that works. You can send 50% of people get this voucher, 50% of people get that voucher. How does that affect the second sale? And then you could do, well, 50% of people get sent something in the post and so 50% get, gets upgraded to the, um, the next day delivery option. You know, those are the things that you can test when you reduce it down to getting the second sale because you've reduced all the noise of everything else you're looking at and going, right, you know, Ian and Mark have told me that it's about getting the second sale. So if I want to increase the lifetime customer yeah. value, that's what I need to focus on. And that's, and, you know, that's quite powerful. Like, I think, I think it's like, you've got to really think about what's the overall picture. Cause if you ask your accountants or you, you know, your FD or you're sort of that, that way inclined, you know, you'll look at this and go, well, I couldn't possibly give this 
to my to get the second sale because you know I'm I'm going to erode margin. It's ridiculous. You know, I couldn't mm. give them, and it's like, hang on a minute. You know how your lifetime customer value it might be like one point two times a year. So you know, just think how many more customers we could actually get coming back. Yeah. What's the overall contribution? You know, and and also you know if we want to get to you know, these big numbers, we've got to get a lifetime customer value up. I and mean, I said that to this customer who phoned me up yesterday, and I said, I said, you know, you've got to get your lifetime customer. You're at the glass ceiling. You cannot pull the traffic lever any harder because it's, it's just unprofitable at the moment. So you've got to get the lifetime customer value up. Yeah. And you have to, you just got to look at the overall picture, you know, and, and we've got a great little spreadsheet, haven't we, that does this. Yeah, the margin calculator. Yeah, the margin just, calculator. Yeah, it's yeah. really, really interesting. Yeah, which is, a, I think we've given it away on the on the podcast. On the, if you go to the margin calculator uh, podcast, you probably see, um, they'll probably see there'll be a download underneath that if you want to find it. Or just email yeah, us just, and we can send you the link. It just helps you work out what the ROAS should be. Yeah. And obviously, you know, and, and, and in fact, it looks at first sale and then second sale, like your life yeah. and customer value. And it just goes based on that. This is... This is what we think your ROAS should be. And it's, it, it, it's just a really good talking point. You know, I think often I find, just say one thing about ROAS, because I, I have this quite a bit, and, and I say, well, that, you know, businesses seem to think that having a really high ROAS is really good. Like yeah. they think, oh, a ROAS is 25. And I'm like, wow, you've literally left customers at the door trying to get in your shop, waving cash in your face, and you've slammed the door in their face. Like you're literally leaving money on the table. If you're margin, you know, typically margin. That's how you sometimes know. when you get a, you know, we get a new AdWords account and they'll say, we say, what do you want the ROAS to be? And they'll go, oh, well, as high as possible. High as possible, yeah. And you're like, well, we could make it as high as possible. Just bid on your brand name and um, and spend uh, yeah 100 bucks a, a month and uh, that'll be the highest we can get it. You know, it doesn't, yeah. doesn't really make no, sense. It, it it's about it's about finding out what's the lowest point your ROAS should be because you know most people who are going to be listening to this podcast want to grow their e-commerce businesses, yeah. And so if you want to grow your e-commerce business, you've got to work out how to architect your business to go for the lowest ROAS possible, and and well, that's it's, based it's, on it's it's like how much does that huge huge volume of traffic cost? But if you went to like you know the the Times newspaper right and double page spread right and a double page spread i don't know how much it costs ten thousand pounds something like that like that's how much it costs to get in front of the mass market on the times newspaper so you wouldn't you wouldn't go and you would you wouldn't go and think well how can i reduce that cost of the times newspaper because you can't you'd go how can i as a business make that work so you'd go if i want to do an advert there i need to get this amount of sales out of it i need to have this kind of upsell i need to have this average order value i need to be doing this many units i need to be having this product you know you're you're leading from how much the advertising costs to making your business work with that and so google's the same as google goes more generic and you're going more mass market you're opening up and therefore Google is going to charge you more for that amount of traffic because it's wider and wider and wider. And if you want to become 20 million, 50 million, you have to say, how can I work with a full page Mm. advert in the times equivalent on Google? You can't say, I'm going to try and get the highest ROAS because you'd effectively go to times and say, Oh, can I have that tiny little classified ads in the people section at the end? Because that that's the, the, the ROAS is Mm. going to be really high, but there's no volume there. 
there's no volume. Yeah. Well, it's like it's like having um, you know, big sliding doors. If you had a physical store, physical shop, your website was a physical shop on the high street, you know, and you know, you got customers walking up and down the street like customers who would buy from you, but your doors are shut. And it's like mm. you want to you want to be able to open the doors really fully, knowing that you know it's it's going to be profitable to do so. And then it's saying, well, like you say, it's like how can this business be profitable with this huge big ad? Because we know this is how we're going to grow. We've got to be able to you know to architect the business in the right way. And that's when it comes into the whole offer architecture study, doesn't it? In the, well, every the whole of e-commerce. I mean, this is basically e-commerce, isn't it? The whole mm. thing is about how I can recruit more customers profitably and and how i can get them to come back and buy again yeah with with a physical company it's more like a um it's more like the location you know like you you might be able to like google has lots of different locations that you can put your advert in like it might be very profitable in terms of roas to have a very small market store on a sunday at a market right but there's the volumes low but you, you're not going to get john lewis going to a small market because there's no volume there for them, so they don't do it. But the ROAS might be really high for a small mm. market trader. Yeah. So you it's know. like you, you, you're not putting the business under enough pressure. Yeah. You know, but you, but you, but let you say you take that, you take his market stall from that small Sunday market and stick it on Oxford Street in London. He's never going to be able to pay the rent because his, his business doesn't work like that. His, it's opportunistic mm. for that Sunday market. So it's kind of like understanding you've got to move up location in, to, in terms of doing stuff. And it's, I think it's interesting, this lifetime value. We haven't mentioned a lot of the stuff that we talked about last time, you know, rewards points and, you know, uh, mechanisms for getting that stuff. And I think the reason we haven't touched on them is because everybody touches on those kind of things. And I think people kind of give these podcasts as kind of like, these are the top 10 things you need to do lifetime customer value. And I think that's that's good, but it's you need to understand when you would bring those tools out the cupboard and when you wouldn't. And the discussion today has been a lot more about finding out what you need to do in order to increase your lifetime customer value based around the data that you're seeing in your business. And once you're armed with that, then you can then throw the tools at that Mm. specific thing. So they say, oh, people buy within 30 days if they're going to buy. Okay, now bring out those tools, those lifetime customer value tools, maybe double reward points for those, you know, in that first week or something like that, that that, that expire or, you know, bring out the tools that you've got once you know what you're trying to do. Yeah. And and then you use you use those tools to amplify because, you know, you you know, I I see loads of Shopify sites and Magento sites and and all of the rest of them that have been a loyalty point modules you know, built into them and you know and and, and and they're all it's all there but it's like a kind of tick box stuff now you've got to really get into understanding the why you and know also, and, I, and i think you've, welcome you've got to, series well, just say one, well, just say, put your life your reward points in your the welcome series yeah. first time customers do not care about no, reward a, points yeah reward points and loyalty points are not a recruitment vehicle they're a retention vehicle so they, they they get customers to buy again they don't get customers to buy in the first place mm. so so i i think in terms of you're absolutely right the good thing is we haven't talked too much about the you know the bells and whistles of it it's like the fundamental business architecture and and i think you've got to you know when we when we, when we bring business you know e-commerce businesses on they do some strategy work with us and we're trying to get them to scale one of the things that I think is the most important thing that we do with them is is when we talk about the 
the offer architecture for a new customer acquisition, like the recruitment phase and the retention phase, like that is like, how are you going to get new customers to buy from you? And then how are you going to get your existing customers to buy again? Yeah. Like, what are you going to do to make that happen? And it's like, it's really interesting when you, like you say, you, what's the simple, what's the simple answer? What's the simple yeah. question to this complicated thing? And it is, it, you know, and it, it, but often it is a pretty simple question, but it, and then, and then you use all the tools like email and your remarketing campaigns and all your about abandoned basket series to amplify what you've decided to do. What's your, your recruitment offer? What's your retention offer? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's that, that's fundamental to life in customer life. Yeah. Well, hopefully we've been helpful. Hopefully you've learned a little bit about lifetime customer value. And uh, if you have any tips, comments, anything, let us know. We're available on the email and we do see all the comments on the podcast. There's a download of a lifetime customer value presentation we did recently in the show notes. So grab that if you haven't got, uh, got it already. Um, we do have the free Facebook group as well where we, you can ask questions about the podcast and the book. And uh, yep, yeah, just so happy to have everybody listening and we'll, we'll speak to you next time.